Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The Bible is the most wonderful book of books. God reveals that the words in it are his very breath and that he himself is embodied in it. Yet to some, all they see are the controversies and seeming inconsistencies. Even to us Christians at times, it seems to merely be a book of history and hard to understand Proverbs at that. Should we settle for this or do we need to be desperate to contact the living God each and every time we come to his word? Stay with us for this Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Joining us again today for fellowship in this marvelous book that's being opened up, I think, as we never dreamed possible, is Dick Taylor. Dick, welcome back to the program. Thanks very much, Chris. And on this particular program, I encourage everyone who's listening to pray this prayer. Lord, while I'm listening to this broadcast, help me to turn my heart to you all the way. Amen, Dick. Dick, the Bible should always be something beneficial. It's the bread of life. It's God's word. Surely it should always bring some kind of help to us. But we all know at times we come away seemingly with nothing. Even sometimes we don't touch God and we only see maybe history or events. And at other times it seems like uh, there may be even contradictions that plague us and bother us, just leave people questioning whether it's even true or not. Is this what Paul the Apostle meant in 1 Corinthians 6 when he said, The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life? No doubt this is really what he's referring to, Chris. I love that verse. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Lord's desire through his word is to always give us life. But if we approach the Bible in an improper way, we have a problem with our heart, we have some kind of hindrance in our life, it just becomes the letter that kills. But if we approach the Bible in a proper way, we find Christ, we find the Spirit, And this wonderful spirit always gives life. Well, Dick, we're going to um, stay focused on this very matter right now, that the Bible is God's very breath, his essence. Let's go to Witness Lee. We have to spend some time to see all the blessings from the living word of God. History has proved, and uh, many of our experiences also have confirmed that you may come to the Word of God, yet you get nothing. My teachers, my schoolmates, classmates, even some of my intimate friends, they all read the Bible. They even studied the Bible. They got nothing. And how about the Christians? I've been with Christians for so many years, I noticed they didn't get anything from the reading of the Bible. According to my observation, what they got by reading the Bible just kind of vain nothing. They didn't get any blessing. And that caused a lot of trouble to them because by reading the Bible, 
they pick up a lot of controversies in the Bible. So many Christians, by reading the Bible, they didn't get the help, but they pick up a lot of controversies. And wherever they went, they like to argue. They like to show that they know the problems in the Bible. So that killed them. And that also killed so many through them. So eventually, the Bible became not a book that gives life, but a book that kills. You have to realize through centuries, many people got killed by the Bible. Whenever you come to the Word of God, that means either to the part of the law or to the part of the gospel, you come to the Bible, I say rule. If your situation is normal, you do have a norm as your standard, you should surely receive some help. If you don't receive any blazing, I tell you, you must realize something surely is wrong with you. Because the word of the Bible is the breath of God. The Lord Jesus as the very embodiment of God, is called the Word. So, the Word is the embodiment of God. When you come to the Word, it equals that you come to God. The Word is just the embodiment of God. The riches of God are here. Whatever God is, is here in the Word. The Word is so rich, so solid, so concrete, and so living, and so enlightening. The Word is just everything that God can be to you. When you come, if there's no problem with you, you surely should receive something. If you don't, something. It's wrong. Dick, the Bible is God's breath. Second Timothy says all scripture is God-breathed. And also, the word embodies God. So the Bible contains God's essence or his breath, and it contains his person. So really, if we come to the word and we don't get anything from it, or if we don't have any kind of contact with God, that should indicate to us that there maybe is something wrong on this end, shouldn't it? it does indicate something's wrong on our end. I really love this verse that you mentioned, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. So the scripture is God's breath. God wants to breathe himself into us. And this wonderful breath is just Christ. Christ is the word. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. In 1.14, it says, he's the word who became flesh. Colossians 2.9 says, This word who became flesh is the very embodiment of God. When we come to the word, we want to receive the Lord as the living breath, and we want to also participate in his precious, precious person. But if something is wrong, if there's some kind of hindrance, we may miss both his breath and his person. All that God can be to us, is embodied in his word, and he just wants to bless us with himself. 
So we need to come to the Word in a proper way, with our heart turned to Him, with no hindrances between us and Him, nothing between. And the result is every word will be the breath of God. Every word will cause us to be enlivened and even to make us living. Not only that, we will be those who participate in and gain the very person of the Lord. What we need to do then when we come to the Lord's Word is to always pray and open our heart. If we do, every word becomes breath, every word becomes God's person entering into our being. One day my wife and I came to Proverbs 30, verses 24 through 28, about four small things, ants, rock badgers, locusts, and spiders. By praying over God's Word, all that was in those verses became God's breath to us. And we came away from verses that talk about so-called four small things on this earth that are exceedingly wise, ants, rock, badgers, locusts, and spiders, we came away filled with the person of the Lord. Now, how can this be? This can only be if we come to the Lord's word in a proper way, our heart turned to him and no frustration. We get life, we get the Lord's person. For example, in Luke 15, I read those parables for many, many years as a Christian, but not until I came under this ministry did I really receive the person through these three parables. One parable's on a shepherd, one's on a woman looking for a lost coin, and one's on the prodigal son being received by the loving father. I saw the person of the triune God, the shepherding son, the sweeping spirit, and the warm, receiving, loving father. Boy, when I saw that, those three parables, I realized I wasn't just getting black and white letters or just stories. I was getting the breath of God, and I was getting the very person of the Lord. So the Lord's Word should be breath to us and should convey the person of the Lord into us. This is very helpful, practical, real fellowship to help us all extract all that we can from the Word. Amen. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. According to my experiences, if you come to the Word, yet you receive nothing, and you cannot receive anything. Number one, it must be that your heart is of a problem. Your heart is wrong. Your heart is wrong. With this one thing, I could point out a few aspects. Maybe you just don't have a heart. We know we can do many things with our heart. Or your heart is divided by something. Your heart divided into two parts. So you love two things. And the two things, uh, they divide your heart. And this one occupies this corner, and that one occupies another corner. When you come to the Bible, you come half-heartedly. The half-heart for the Bible never works. And the other half, for something else, works to the uttermost. So when you come to the Bible, you must come with a heart. And you have to come with a heart so whole. You cannot come to the Word half-heartedly. You just waste your time. Thirdly, you may come to the Word, it seems that in your whole being, you don't have a heart. Regardless how many times you read the Bible in a portion, you get nothing because you don't have the function to apprehend what the Bible says. 
Then another category, you may have a heart. Even you would cry to receive something from the Bible, and you do business. Yet you have some separations between you and the Lord. You have to deal with your heart. Turn your heart to Him, absolutely, entirely, wholly. You must deal with your heart. The right heart's needed. Then you must deal with whatever is negative between you and the Lord. If you would just take care of these two things, dealing with your heart and dealing all the negative things between you and the Lord, you probably be a normal. I say probably. There still might be something. We are very, very complicated. Dick, I appreciate this kind of speaking very much because it's so practical and it's aimed at helping us to experience Christ and gain something of God whenever we come to the Word. He mentioned two specific matters, Dick, that can have the effect of diminishing our enjoyment of Christ in His Word. What are these two things? These two things are, number one, the heart, and number two, frustrations or coverings or hindrances. The Lord tells us in Mark 12, 30, that we should love the Lord our God with our whole heart. If we come to the Lord's Word somewhat half-heartedly, we're always in trouble. We never really get anything. We can't come to the Lord with a divided heart or half a heart. We must come to the Lord with our whole heart. So our prayer should be, Lord, Help me to come to you right now with my whole heart. I love you with my whole heart. Also concerning our heart, sometimes we just have a lack of heart. If you're with somebody and your heart is not there, you will gain nothing. So many people may read the Bible, open the Bible, read many verses, but they get nothing because their heart is somewhere else. So the most crucial factor in receiving God's breath and his person from the word is turning our heart to the Lord. The second thing is that many times we may have frustrations or coverings. There may be something veiling us. So concerning our heart, we need to seek the Lord with our whole heart. If so, you know what happens, Chris? We get enlightened by God's word. We get supplied. We become those who are really watered. You know, the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion of the Lord, when the Lord, as the resurrected one, pulled up alongside of them while they're walking, began to converse with them, and eventually he opened to them all the things in the Word concerning himself. The Bible is a book concerning himself. When they finally got to Emmaus and they broke bread, and then he vanished out of their sight, it says their eyes were opened. <laughs> So that means they were enlightened from the Word. At that point, their heart had been turned all the way. Their whole heart was there, related to the Lord's words. And not only that, it says their heart was on fire. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the way? So this indicates a big factor in coming to the Lord's Word to receive breath in the Lord's person, seeking the Lord with our whole heart. Then secondly, we have this problem with coverings and frustrations and hindrances. And for this, the unique solution really is turning our heart to the Lord. 
Just like in 2 Corinthians 3, it says there was a veil on the heart, like a covering on the heart. That veil is only taken away whenever the heart turns to the Lord. Isn't 2 Corinthians 3.16 wonderful? Whenever the heart shall turn to the Lord, the veil, the covering, the frustration, the hindrance is taken away. So may our practice be that as we come to the Lord's Word, we would turn our heart to Him. Dick, this may seem like a small point, but it's a very big point. It's the turning our heart to Him, not even turning our heart to the Bible. That's right. We need to turn our heart always to Him to have that veil removed. Amen. Let's go back to Witness Lee, Dick. We have one more portion. I could never forget Sister Amy Barber, Margaret Barber, who helped Brother Nee a lot. And Brother Nee always referred to Barber's word to help us. That Sister Barber said, just a small leaf, L-E-A-F, could cover the bright moon from your eyes. Just a small leaf in front of your eyes, it covers your eyes from the bright moon. In a dark night, the moon is shining brightly, but you don't have the light because just a small leaf. To know any book, it doesn't require so much on you, but to receive something from the Bible, I tell you, this requires we have to humble ourselves. We have to put aside our self-confidence. We have to put aside our self-assurance. We have to say, Lord, all the time, especially in doing this thing, that is, in coming to the Word, you must use the word mercy. Lord, have mercy upon me. Because... If I don't realize, yet I do believe within me something still is there that may subconsciously cover me from your word. Lord, have mercy upon me. We all need to pray this way. You need to pray, Lord, have mercy upon me. I don't like to be one who is under some covering. I don't like to have anything with me that is between you and me. Lord, have mercy upon me. Grant me a situation that there's nothing between you and me. We all have to have such an attitude. It is not just a prayer. It must be an attitude that you don't have any confidence. So we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. The Bible says the Lord rejects the proud. And the Lord gives mercy and grace to the humble. If you are not humble, just a little bit, a little bit not humble. Good enough. That would cause a lot of trouble that would just frustrate you from receiving something. So we must learn to uh, humble ourselves. You may say, 
Brother Lee, you did tell us as long as we love the Lord, that's okay. I tell you, to love the Lord is something too general. You may love the Lord, yet you never have humbled yourself before the Lord. Dick, this was quite a realization that even something as small as a leaf if it's positioned just right, can block our view of something so bright and shining, even as the moon. I like the Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of thy words gives light. Dick, what are some of the other leaves that can block the entrance of light when we come to the word? Some of the other leaves are things like self-assurance, self-confidence. Actually, when we come to the Lord's word, we really need to humble ourselves. We love the Lord, but our love should include humility. Remember in James 4, 6, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Don't you love this verse? So this is really our need. If our attitude and condition is not right, we will receive nothing from the word. So we need to humble ourselves. And I would really uh, like to quote a couple of our brother's prayers related to this matter. I hope we would all pick this up and even make these prayers our prayers. Here's one. Lord, have mercy on me. I don't want to be covered by anything, and I don't want to have anything between you and me. If we're there in a self-confident way, a self-assuring way, and not properly open to the Lord, trusting in him, then what happens? We're covered. Not only that, there's something between. When there's nothing between us and the Lord, His word is so enlightening and so nourishing and so watering. We receive breath. We receive life. We receive the very person of the Lord. So may we pray this prayer. Lord, have mercy on me. I don't want to be covered by anything, and I don't want to have anything between you and me. Another prayer that our brother prayed that I really appreciate is this. Lord, I do not have any confidence in myself, and I do not insist on anything. Lord, I open to you and I ask you to have mercy on me. If this is the case, then the Lord's word will really enlighten us. Otherwise, we ourselves may remain under a veil and in the darkness, even though we're reading God's word. So perhaps two of these leaves are self-confidence and self-assurance. So may we humble ourselves in love, opening, praying such genuine and opening prayers that the Lord's word would give light to our being. And we would be people who are full of the light of life. Dick, let me ask you a question. Of course, uh, self-assurance and self-confidence are things that are much esteemed in a worldly sense, in a secular sense. In fact, they're probably necessary components for success in a lot of ways. Yet in the spiritual realm, they can become such a hindrance to really keep us from laying hold of Christ. How do you reconcile these since we're here and we have to live in both realms? The only way to exist in the satanic realm is self-confidence and self-assurance and promoting yourself. But eventually, even if self is promoted, you're only a king of the heap. The whole satanic system is just a heap of collapse. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is Lord. We're not the Lord. He's the Lord. So we're not here for the promotion of ourselves. We're here for him to be exalted, him to be uplifted. When he's exalted and uplifted, the Father is so happy. Just like on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
Matthew 17. At that point, when Peter saw Jesus transfigured, Moses and Elijah showed up. He was going to promote them. He was going to promote Moses and Elijah, make them equal with Jesus. Well, the Lord came in with a cloud, with a voice, and made it very clear. They all hit the deck, hearing the words, This is my beloved Son, in whom I delight, hear him. When they finally looked up, they saw no one except Jesus only. Only he should be exalted, not ourself. Amen. Dick, we're going to stay on this topic for a number of programs to come. It's a topic that cannot be exhausted, surely, in one program or even a few. How Christians come and relate to God in His Word is worth much of our time. So we'll invite you back very soon and join us again for another program, and it'll be on a similar topic. Thank you. I'd like to do that. Today for Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.